howdy. Did you know Mac and T used to do movie reviews in excruciating detail? One of their best episodes was for Gone Baby Gone. Here's that episode. If and you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to their other show, Two Guys, a Movie, and a Podcast. Oh, and there's spoilers here, so consider yourself warned. Welcome back to Two Guys, a Movie, and a Podcast, where every week we mine the cavernous depths of Netflix to find those gems that might otherwise go unwatched, or even worse, unnoticed. My name is Tyler, you can call me T, I don't really care one way or another. And I'm Malcolm, you can call me Mac, or the other guy. This week, we are talking about a movie that is near and dear to my heart, Gone Baby Gone. This film has a runtime of 1 hour 45 minutes. Stars Casey Affleck, Michelle Monaghan, Amy Ryan, Ed Harris, and of course, how can we forget, the ever-so-majestic Morgan Freeman. This has a score of 7.7 on IMDb. That's out of 230,000 votes. It's actually 230,397. And a 72 on Metacritic. That's out of 34 critics' reviews. Both sources are, are fairly positive. 72 is actually pretty good on Metacritic. Yeah. As always, you got to take the take any user rating, whether it's Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, or IMDb, with just a grain of salt because users are users. <laughs> I had the IMDb synopsis of this film is, when a four-year-old girl vanishes from a rough Boston neighborhood and cops offer little help, her family hires two private detectives to find the answers. That is the story. There's way more that uh, comes into play as the story progresses. It's a pretty deep story, full of twists and turns. So you're gonna want to you're gonna want to stick around because we're gonna get into that. Mac, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I did I did like the movie. I thought it was a bit long. Um, I feel like it could have been shortened up just a little bit. But like you said, there is a lot of twists and turns, and I think that makes for a good movie. Honestly, you know, I like the I like the mystery and suspense. I'll keep it at a seven, just because it was a little bit longer than I probably would have liked. But for for the most part, it was a good movie. I don't know if they do this on purpose, but a lot of Boston movies have the same cast. Because <laughs> the movie The Town with Ben Affleck has a lot of the same cast. And then this movie with Mark Wahlberg that recently came out, Patriot's Day. Boston, about Boston bombing, right. same cast. Did Ben Affleck direct the town? Possibly. I think he might have directed the town, and that would that would be part of the reason why you see a lot of the same cast. Because this, as we we did not mention, is uh, Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Oh yes. So when he's not when he's not murdering people in the name of justice. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this movie. I don't think we mentioned what year it came out. It came out in 2006. I saw it when it, I first saw it when it was relatively new. Maybe not 2006, but like around 2007, maybe even 2008. Just to give you a little bit of insight, this movie, I had not seen it since, since then. Until uh, it showed up on Netflix and and I wanted to do it for the show. But, uh, you know, there was a good chunk of time where I hadn't watched it again. Mm-hmm. 
the ending of this movie is so haunting that it just kind of like it would occasionally just pop into my mind at random times and i'd just be like oh man that's very yeah. deep because i don't think since i've watched it i don't think i've thought about that really? at all no. oh man it has stuck with me for years it's too, but like well like i said if i watched it in 2008 it's 2019 now for like the last 10 years <laughs> it is it is just ah such a good ending though and we'll get into that in time too it's got a super it's got like a really gritty style to it if you're familiar with any like david fincher movies like seven have you seen seven yes it kind of feels like seven and not just because it has morgan freeman in it <laughs> it kind of feels like seven or maybe it, uh, zodiac it kind of feels a little it's got like kind of a dark zodiac kind of feel to it or uh to a lesser extent gone girl if you've ever seen gone girl that was a, you know, I I really like that movie because I wasn't expect I didn't even know like it was based on a true story. Gone Girl. Yeah, it's not a true story. I who, thought it was. Who told you it was a true story. The news. No, no, it's not a true story. Are you sure? I'm positive. We'll have to look it up after the show. <laughs> let's look. All right, let's look it up right now. Yeah. Okay, it is not a true story. I guarantee you, it's not a true story. It is very similar. To the Scott Peterson case, that's what I'm thinking about. Okay, okay. Because well, I just I uh, the there's a book I have I just got from the library. It's about Scott Peterson. Ah, uh, yes, it is. So it's a lot of it is largely if it's not inspired by Scott Peterson, then the, there is some crazy uh, crazy <laughs> coincidences going on. But no, it has it. It does it does mirror a lot of Scott Peterson. Okay. Um, and wasn't was that his daughter? Is the, it, the Scott Peterson? I believe it was his wife. Maybe his wife and daughter. I don't remember for sure. Okay. I just remember that I just know that I just know that it's very similar to the Scott Peterson story. <laughs> and not a true story. Okay. Okay. Uh if it was a true story. Boy, I don't know. Uh I've I've only seen the movie once though. I I've read the book a couple times. And every time it's just awesome. But that's not why we're here. That's right. No, <laughs> we're here. We're here for Gone Girl. I will say just real quick that the feeling that you get from this movie, like the way it comes back to you, uh, even after so long, I feel that same way about Zodiac. Fair enough. Because I mean, it's unsolved, but still, like who he could be outside right now. <laughs> uh you know. I guess maybe if we lived in like California, <laughs> I don't know what he'd be doing in Nebraska. But at some point, though, you won't ever be you won't be able to say that anymore because at some point, the Zodiac will be so old that the real person, if not dead already, will have just died of old age. But we won't know. <laughs> but you will know. You assume that you're assuming assuming that uh, what was that like the seventies. Zodiac was yeah. 70s? Okay, assuming he was 30 years old in the 70s. Assuming, give him the benefit of the doubt. If he's, if he's 20 years old in the 70s. Yeah, 70s, 80s, 80s, 90s, 90s. Yeah. yeah, I'd say you probably have like 20 more years, maybe. <laughs> maybe. By the time you're 40, uh, you won't be able to say that, uh, that the Zodiac could still be out there. Because, just naturally speaking, unless, unless he's like some sort of superhuman god. 
in which case all his work is for nothing because he was killing people to make sure that his paradise was full of slaves for him. So that's not why we're here. Yeah. Okay. Moving forward. Moving forward. Um, like I said, it's got a lot of, it feels like a, it feels like a David Fincher movie. So if you're a fan of like seven or, or anything like that, you probably find yourself a good time in this one. I really enjoy the cast. I like Casey Affleck. Sometimes I think he's a little monotone. Sometimes I think he's a little robotic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's his acting or if that's just how he is. Well, I feel like Ben Affleck's the same way almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like... I've never seen him with like a different face, like expression-wise. You've, n- I don't know. I guess I have. I think you get more range out of Ben Affleck than Casey Affleck. Maybe. Yeah. But anyway, I've only seen like four Casey Affleck movies, though. Was Out of the Furnace one with Woody Harrelson? Is Casey Affleck in that? Yes. I've seen it. For all of ten minutes. I've seen it. I don't remember him being in it. Him. I remember Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah. And I remember Woody Harrelson like slamming, slamming his girlfriend's head into the dashboard like five minutes into it. God, it was a rough movie. Good. It was a good movie. But that, again, not why we're here. Casey Affleck, um, every time I see him. I kind of waffle back and forth on whether or not I think he's a good actor. I think you could probably take Casey Affleck out of any of his movies and replace him with Jake Gyllenhaal and be just fine. But I don't think it works the other way around. I don't think you could take Jake Gyllenhaal out of any of his movies and put Casey Affleck in his place and be just fine. Fair enough. Like you You could replace Casey Affleck here with Jake Gyllenhaal and it would be near identical movie. You could take Jake Gyllenhaal out of Zodiac and put Casey Affleck in there. And you'd be like, why is this 12-year-old looking for the Zodiac? <laughs> he does look very young. He does. Uh, which they mentioned in the movie as well. Michelle Monaghan is fine. She's, I don't know, she's okay. Amy Ryan, I'm not, I'm not for punching women in the face. But if you watch this movie and you don't want to punch Amy Ryan in the face, uh-huh. then something is wrong with you because she is such a nasty character. Like, she is just... I agree. Like, <laughs> God, like her, like, how she how she acts and and how she talks, like, the accent, like, the annoying Bastin accent that comes with her and and her horrible, her, like, severe lack of morals. Oh, Maybe man. they should just use your generic voices for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like my Bastin accent? Not the Bastin one. Bastin? It's kind of like an Australian. It's kind of like my Australian. <laughs> the scratch. Yeah. I grew up here in the outback of Australia in Baston. <laughs> where we drink Fastas. Fosters. Australian for beer. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of Fosters? No. God. You're such a baby. I don't go out looking for these things that you... <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> well, you're just shoving me spoons of knowledge. And... <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole show... Just on me, like, talking about stuff and you, like, asking me what the hell that is. Probably. Um, I didn't even think it was possible for anyone to not know a father. Like, they used to have, like, maybe they don't do commercials, as, as many commercials as they used to. But I know when I was younger, I used to see Foster's commercials, like, all the time. And it's just beer. That's all it is. It's just beer. And it was always ended with, like, somebody, like, slamming a bottle of Foster's on the counter. And then they, they would say, Foster's, Australian for beer. That's it. And it tastes okay. It tastes like beer. If you like beer, you might like Foster's, I guess. Anyways, 
This is like the longest movie we've done. It's the deepest movie <laughs> we've done. We got to keep moving. I did see the other day we got a we got a review on iTunes. Really? Yes. I haven't had iTunes since maybe early 2000. I haven't. I don't have iTunes. I, I have it on my computer, but they always want me to update it, and I don't. I know that was the biggest problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I was playing with my I was playing with an old iPhone the other day, mm-hmm. and I looked our I looked us up. And one of my friends left us a nice review. So. Nice. So we have one five-star review. That five says, whole stars. Five whole stars. Five. It says uh, says we're very knowledgeable on movies. Not, not me. And uh, uh, says our ca- our conversation is casual. Yeah, I guess if we're not talking about like spaghetti or something. Right. And it says... Chest, chest on my hair. Or anything. <laughs> Gary Oldman and, <laughs> and The Matrix. But it said, I do a good job of, of keeping the conversation moving. And I think... I think since in the time that that they've uh, since the time that they've posted that review, I think we've gotten off topic like more and more each episode. When when did they post it? I don't know. It oh. said it said Saturday, but I don't know if that was like because I checked it. I saw it yesterday, so I don't know if it was like yesterday Saturday or <laughs> Saturday or if it was January. like or if it was like last Saturday Saturday. Oh, but uh, anyways. Anyway, so, uh, right, um, okay, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Um, it looks good, it's well acted, it's well written, super complicated. I'm going to give it an 8. I really wanted to give it an, a, a 9 or a 10. What? Oh, I love it. Like A movie that make, a movie that sticks with me for 10 years, I feel like deserves a 10, but... If I would have watched Mr. Church 10 years ago, it'd still stick with me, and you wouldn't let me give it a 10. You can give it a 10. I don't care what you give Mr. Church. I don't care what you give bad movies. It wasn't a bad movie. <laughs> anyway, we should do a poll on Facebook. But nobody's ever seen Mr. Church except for us. Yeah. So, so it just be you. It wouldn't do any good. It would just be split down the middle. Anyway, I give it an 8 because so many characters. So many characters. Some of them you don't see very often. But they still play a, a pretty important role, mm-hmm. and my head is kind of like a post on Twitter. There's a severe character limit. <laughs> that <laughs> once, was a great analogy. <laughs> once, once you hit that character limit, my mind just shuts off. You can keep adding characters to it, and I will lose track of all of them, and it will just be nothing but static. Uh, a more intelligent viewer probably get way more out of this movie because because they would have no problem keeping track of everyone there's patrick there's angie there's uh um uh uh like lieutenant doyle she's morgan freeman i'm <laughs> like ed harris's character you have ed harris's partner you have uh amy ryan's character helene and then you have the little girl oh and her brother yeah yeah you have her brother uh, lionel and you have lionel's wife and those are like the characters that you see the most. But then you have all these littler characters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like Cheese, and then there's Bubba, and then there's these random, these random crackheads that show up for some reason or other. And then you have like, there's even a character that that literally shows up towards the end of the movie, just so that Casey Affleck can explain, kind can kind of explain what's going on, mm-hmm. and it's just. There's so many characters, and then you you mash all those in with the complexities of the story itself, 
the first time I watched it, I found myself getting kind of lost in it and losing track. Of, like, like, okay, why they just brought up this guy? Why was he important? Which one was that? And that happens. That happens throughout. You know, certainly the further along you go, a smarter a smarter audience probably get more out of it than me. Probably be able to follow it a little bit more. And it's just my my lack of ability to keep track of uh, keep track of characters and names yeah. is why it's an eight. If you could make the movie with four less characters and keep the complexity and the twists and the turns, it'd be a ten. I feel like four less characters would also affect the runtime too. <laughs> yeah, so. definitely, <laughs> definitely. And we'll get when we get into the spoilers, we'll talk about. Uh, there are a few points of a few points in it that I feel could probably be left out or at least sped up because it it is an hour forty five minutes. But I don't know. I personally didn't think it was super long. I think two hours would have been a bit on the heavier side. One forty five is not too bad for something like this. But I think it. But I do think there's there's parts in it that could be that could be removed or shortened or mm-hmm. tightened up. So, anyways, there you go. You got a seven from Mac. You got an eight from me. And uh, we'll be right back in just a little bit. I highly recommend watching this movie, though. Don't just listen to this podcast and and let us spoil it for you. Because I, I'm 100% honest with you guys. I envy anybody that has not seen this movie. Because they get to experience this movie with fresh eyes. And if you listen to the rest of this show without watching the movie, you don't get to experience it with fresh eyes. Right. If you let us spoil it for you, you're doing yourself a great disservice. So if you listen to this and you're like, oh, yeah, that does sound really good. After we've spoiled it, I don't even want to know you. I don't even want to know that you exist because that would make my heart hurt. So anyways, we're going to be back in just a little bit with full spoilers for Gone Baby Gone. Let's see, just a quick recap. Mac, I believe, gave Gone Baby Gone a 7. Yes. And I gave it an 8, and he couldn't believe that I almost gave it a 10. Yeah, I'd, I don't know. but <laughs> Like, I'd go up to an 8. That's, that's where it stops, though. <laughs> <laughs> ah, such a good movie. I love this movie. Unlike Mr. Church, it was 10. so let's get into this because we've got a we got a lot of stuff to unpack oh also before we get too far before we really get in i know it's pretty early to get off topic (laughs) but i do want to say that uh uh i posted i posted a thing on on twitter about mr church and the lady that wrote mr church uh she she says that she sides with Mac because it's her story. Which I thank you. What was yeah. her name? Uh, I think I still have it on I almost phone. feel bad because I don't remember her name. Well, you should feel bad because you liked her movie and she sided with you and you... But that makes me feel good. Show. <laughs> McCain? McLean? Her name is Susan McMartin. I was off. But shout out to you, Susan McMartin. I love the movie. And I love your story, so thank you for siding with me. I have one question. If you decided to come back for Gone Baby Gone, if if uh, if you're listening to this right now, I do have a question. Because I read the About page on her website, and, and uh, she says that 
that she had like a story about growing up with an alcoholic mother, and that was based on her life. But Mr. Church was inspired by a true friendship that that uh, that she at least was a part of. I just have a question. Was getting hit by a skateboarder really... At 50 was, miles an hour. Was he really going 50? <laughs> and was it really as bad as portrayed in the movie? That's That's really what I want to know. Also, congratulations on writing a movie and producing a bunch of stuff. She has it actually. She's got a pretty impressive filmography. I've, I checked her out on IMDb. Super awesome. And it's always cool when we get a, a celebrity or quasi-celebrity or pseudo-celebrity or someone that's more successful than us <laughs> to comment, like, tweet, do anything. Just get in touch with us. That's super awesome. And uh, I still maintain that I did not like Mr. Church, but I do have mad respect for you. We appreciate you. Awesome. So, enough of that. Let's get into Gone, Baby, Gone. It opens up with Casey Affleck. He's narrating this. He's giving a speech about like community and what it means to grow up in, in Boston, in this neighborhood in particular. He, he's, he mentions that pretty much everybody in this neighborhood was born in here, was born in the neighborhood, raised in the neighborhood, and will forever be part of the neighborhood. So whenever something bad happens, he kind of feels like, he doesn't say this, but you get the feeling that whenever something happens to one person, it happens to every person. And maybe that's why he takes the the story that's about to unfold extra personal. Uh, real quick, I will say, like a lot of times in movies, with like kind of the narrative that he did and the camera panning around the town and kind of getting that real life feel. I like I like that kind of camera work, I guess, scenery. Just getting to know what it's really like cuz I mean those are like real people, you know, just passing by doing what they're doing. But yeah. Yeah, one thing that goes is one thing that really works well in this movie is everybody in the movie looks real yes like there's nobody made up in this thing all the extras look like they for all i know all i don't know if it was filmed on location but for all i know all the extras were were actually real bostonians and and even the stars in the movie they don't they're never made up I mean, <laughs> they're not like Sandra Bullock in Bird Box. Where, oh, Jesus. <laughs> where she's always just looks so perfect no matter what. These people go through hell, and and it really shows. And they've gone through hell, and it really shows. So that really goes a long way to making sure that uh, that the, the film has an added layer of realism to it. We cut to an interview with Amanda's mother. Uh, Amanda is the little girl that's gone missing. Her mother's uh, giving like a little press conference to a bunch of reporters and stuff. Yeah, it's the it's the same thing that everybody's everyone has seen something like this in real life, where it's a, a mother, a father, whatever, just pleading for their loved one to be returned or come back. At the same time that she's giving a an interview to all the to the press corps, whatever you want to call them, her sister in law B is also doing the same thing, as we'll find out later. B is probably more genuine in wanting the child back than Amanda's mother, Helene. Yeah, it really feels that way. 
we go from there to uh, to Casey Affleck and uh, Michelle Monaghan. This is Patrick and Angie. They're watching these interviews on the TV in their small apartment. Uh, it doesn't ever... I don't think it ever really says... I mean, they're clearly together. And they clearly work together. They're a, a private eye team. But I don't think they're married. Uh, yeah, I don't think it really establishes yeah. that. I don't think they're married. I don't. It, it, I don't think they're engaged. There are a few references here and there about them dating, and it does, for all intents and purposes, look as though they are. Uh, they at least share the same bed, <laughs> which is weird because Casey Affleck's character Patrick is like, is like very Catholic and worried about sinning and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess I guess that must be like the one thing that he's willing to. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm Catholic. Well, I was born Catholic, raised Catholic. I had a Catholic wedding, and I lived with my wife for like, uh oh, she's gonna kill me. I don't know, like three years <laughs> before we got married, and we had to jump through a bunch of Catholic hoops and stuff. And the priest that we had to go talk to before we got married, he didn't even want us sleeping in the same part of the house together. <laughs> so. So Patrick Patrick must have a little bit of lenience when it comes to when it comes to that stuff. Angie's really not like she doesn't want to. I mean, she cares about the story, but she doesn't want to like hear it. Right. She well, it seemed like she didn't even really want to get involved. I don't know how many cases they they took on beforehand, like before this one. So, but she kind of felt it seemed like she felt like tired of it, tired of doing it. Yeah, um, well, they they mentioned that most of the case uh, once we actually get into to them being hired, we find out that finding missing children isn't their thing. Mm -hmm. They tend to find like just like husbands that have ran off or wives that have gone off with someone else right. and stuff like that. So, so uh, she just kind of seems at this moment in the film, she just seems like this is kind of depressing news. And she'd just really rather, she'd really rather just not listen to it or hear it. Patrick, on the other hand, is is very, he's very interested in it because, as we've established, he's he's very community oriented. He's very, you know, like I said, uh, what happens to one happens to all, and so he's he's really concerned and he's immediately skeptical of the police. Not necessarily skeptical, critical of the police because. They're all standing in the background during these interviews instead of, you know, looking for the missing girl. That's pretty much all you see for them at the at the very beginning. You cut to them the next day. Someone's knocking on their door. <laughs> Patrick is Patrick's pretty upset that somebody's knocking on his door. He thinks it's some kids that have been been running around ringing doorbells, knocking on doors and running off. So he's not too happy about it. But he he goes and opens the door. Come to find out that it is is Lionel and B. This is aunt and uncle to the missing girl Amanda. Lionel is Helene's brother, so obviously B is his is her sister in law. B is very concerned about finding Amanda more so than more so than Lionel. Mm -hmm. She even mentions that she even mentions that Lionel didn't really even want to get the 
get private eyes in, involved, that he wanted to let the police do their thing. So she she goes and they she's trying to convince them to to take this case. And this is this is actually the moment that you find out that that Patrick and Angie are actually private eyes. I you get like a small glimpse of like their certification yeah. hanging on their wall or something. They're kind of hesitant to do it, but Angie just flat out doesn't want to do it. Patrick, you you can tell that he kind of wants to do it, but he's kind of out of his depth. Because like like we said, he he points out that they're usually finding like, you know, people that are, you know, uh, grown people, adults. Cheaters. Yeah, like cheaters <laughs> and people that have just like ran off because they just felt like running off and and stuff like that. You know, they're they're not really in the business of finding little kids. B convinces them to just go, just go meet with Helene and talk to her, and so they they agree. Angie begrudgingly, and they get there. I don't know if it's the next day or later that day, but they get there, and there's like all these reporters around, and Angie voices her concern about how she doesn't. The main reason she doesn't want to do this is because she doesn't want to find a. She doesn't want to find a dead girl. She doesn't want to find a dead kid, and Patrick is quick to point out that well, you know, she might not be dead, but then at the same time. And she doesn't want to find a girl that's been horribly abused for several days or, or a week by now. I think it's like a week by now that she's been missing. Right. I mean, or maybe no, it's not a week. It's only it's only been a few days because later on, later on, I think they point out that it's that they're right. seventy two hours right. into it. Either side of it is you know pretty. I mean, I feel like it would be horrifying either way finding her. Obviously, finding her dead. But then again, finding her, you know, abused and possibly beaten, raped, or, you know, so on and so forth. So I could understand why you wouldn't want to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. Patrick's only looking looking at it from the uh from the perspective of of uh they have a chance to do something good for the community. She's looking at it as I don't want I just don't wanna I don't wanna be a witness to any of this. Patrick convinces her to go in and talk to Helene anyways. He, he he tells her that you go listen to her, go hear her out, and if you still don't want to do it after you talk to her, fine. We'll we'll go we'll go do something else. But you know, he knows what he's <laughs> doing. He knows that if he gets her gets her in to talk to Helene that that she's gonna have a change of change of heart and she's gonna go ahead and, and sign on to this. Uh I've used the same tactic myself for like less important things than finding <laughs> missing girls. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, yeah, let's just let's just let's just go look at the big TVs. Right. <laughs> and if you if you look at it and you decide it's too big, well go I, I won't even bring it up again. And certainly enough, you come home with a big TV. <laughs> or a or a nice shiny video game or a new phone or whatever it is that you're trying to get your wife or a significant other to agree to let you get. <laughs> so they go in, they talk to her. So where you meet Amy Ryan. <laughs> she is such a nasty character. I hated her. Oh, she's so horrible. And even, uh, uh, it's like, you think she's, at one point you think she's going to turn her life around. Oh, she's just a horrible, horrible human being. She is just, uh, a bee at one point calls her an abomination. <laughs> and that, that is a very apt word. That is a very suitable word for for what Helene is. Um, Helene is 
She's sitting on the couch, really not all that worried, seemingly not all that worried. She's sitting there with like her best friend and uh, and alibi for when her daughter went missing. She's already talked to the police. She's already done all this stuff. She doesn't quite see why you should why these two are are worried about it or interested in it. And and really, she just kind of seems like she just doesn't want Lionel or B sticking their nose in her business. It's not their place to care about her kid. Is really kind of what is kind of the feeling that you get with it. Even though they're footing the entire bill for uh, for the services of of Patrick and Angie, she just mm-hmm. doesn't want these two people getting up in her business. After a few minutes of of not punching Helene in the face, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she agrees to let them in on it, and Angie agrees to take the case. Patrick is very happy. Well, as happy as one. Can be, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't jumping up and down like, "Oh, we got the case." <laughs> he he is what he is. <laughs> Whatever it is, he is. That's what he is, and that made perfect sense. They go ahead and they kind of look around the house as they're as they're looking around the house. They meet Morgan Freeman's character, like Lieutenant Doyle or Captain Doyle or Sergeant Doyle. I, I don't, Captain. I don't know my hierarchy of. Of, Sergeant of maybe? police. <laughs> Anyways, they meet Morgan Freeman. We're just gonna call him Doyle from now. <laughs> Where he'll he, we'll either call him Doyle or Freeman. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he is not happy that these two are in on this case. He's at the very least, he's not happy that Casey that uh, that Patrick is in on the case. He kind of looks at him as being sort of a oh, you are breathing really loud. Me? Yeah. Like really? your nose like is like pointed down at the microphone. Oh, sorry. I could like hear you breathe. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anyways, Doyle uh Doyle just doesn't like well, he just he's not happy about it. He just doesn't want it. He actually even refuses to talk to Patrick directly. Uh Does he, he start talking to him like third person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you tell that little boy. If that little boy wants to work with adults, he's going to have to act like an adult. And, you know, Patrick's just in there's like, well, that little boy is an adult. <laughs> I he's th- back at I, it. I thought, I'd, I thought I'd use that voice because Mac didn't like my Boston voice. I'd be like, well, yeah, that little boy is an adult. That's sound, terrible. That, that was even Australian. worse. <laughs> that was even worse. I'll stop. I'll stop. At least for a couple minutes. <laughs> as soon as I got done watching the movie, though, I had it down pat. <laughs> it's just that we're recording this like a week later, two weeks later. But uh, anyways, yeah, he refuses to even even talk to talk to Patrick. I don't know. Maybe he kind of gets the idea that. I mean, we're gonna and we're gonna see why for sure later on why he doesn't why he doesn't like the private eyes, but. Uh, or the idea of of all uh, of other investigators, and you know certainly part of it's because it's police business. Why do you need an outsider for police business? Right. And Patrick points out, and I don't know if this is a, I don't know if this is like just a Boston thing, like a a, a Massachusetts law, or or if it's a nation nationwide law. Patrick points out that. That they're registered private investigators, and so 
by law, Doyle is required to to help them, or you know, to share resources. Right. At least to an extent. Doyle is just so upset by that. <laughs> so he he he, he tells him, "Yeah, fine. You can you can have a couple. You have a couple of my detectives when they're ready for you." And so, of course, those detectives are not ready for them. And so they have other investigating to do. So they go to they go to this kind of dive bar with uh oh also I believe it's here when they're talking to Doyle that that he mentions that they're seventy two hours into the investigation. Yes. Yeah. Cause he cause he says something about about if they're not found in like the first forty eight hours or something, then they're they're likely never found or they're dead. And they're 72 hours into. That is if I'm remembering it correctly. But Mac is telling me I am. So if I'm not, blame him. It's all his fault. Everything. <laughs> so I'm breathing too hard. <laughs> he's breathing too hard. He's eating mashed potatoes and nachos into the microphone. Mashed potatoes and nachos? Because yeah. last week I said something about mashed potatoes. And... You don't remember that because it was last week and you don't really listen to what I say. Well, that kind of had my basement. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Going underwater. Fair enough. Anyways, they go to this kind of dive bar. This is where where Helene frequents. Uh, She's there. Mm, uh, Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, the guy at the bar tells they 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 meet a guy at the bar and he tells them that she's there every night. Helene says that she's only there like a couple nights a week or something like that. Well, and during when they first meet her, I think they establish that she's an addict. Yeah. So that's where she goes down and scores, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I think it was actually even when um, when Lionel and B go and talk to them. That's when we find out that she's an addict because Lionel gives them this speech about how, yeah, she goes down to the bar and she she does drugs and she drinks. And he's like, I don't do any of that stuff. I put the plug in the jug. And he's been sober for like 25 years. And that's a big thing. He's been sober for 25 years. And he's really proud of it. And if, if you're sober for 25 years, you should be proud of it. But anyways, he keeps he keeps kind of bringing it up that he's, that he's been sober. That comes up like I think three more, like two or three more times. Mm-hmm. But he mentions that she goes, that she does a lot of, she does some coke. She does coke at least three times a week. Right. And Patrick points out, yeah, that's a lot of coke. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyways, they go to this dive bar, and this guy there tells them that uh, that she was there the night her daughter went missing, which kind of destroys. Uh, Helene's alibi because earlier on she had claimed that she was just across the street or something with her best friend watching TV when the when her daughter went missing. So, so who, now, goes, who goes across the street to watch TV? You've never gone over to like a friend's house and watch TV with them? No, no, <laughs> it's unnecessary. I have a TV here. Yeah, but like you don't just like you don't like I, if it's planned, I guess. Like, if I'm like, hey, T, I'm going to come over, let's watch, like, Naruto or something. Well, first of all, you're not <laughs> you're not coming over to my house to watch Naruto. It's not going to happen. 
It was just an example. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know. I get it. I totally get. It. I totally get. Uh, you, you feel like hanging out with your best friend? Oh, my favorite show's on. It's her favorite show. Yeah, yeah. She's probably watching. I go over there, or maybe, or maybe you go over there to like borrow a cup of sugar or something. You happen to see something on TV that you both like, and you sit down and watch watch whatever it is you're watching. You know, <laughs> you're you're both you know torturing yourselves by watching Mr. Church or something. Oh. <laughs> She's probably listening to this episode. I'm sorry. I apologize, Susan McMartin. Mac the, Mac likes your movie. I just I, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's not even the movie I don't we're think talking she's about. Still, I'd be surprised if she still listens. If oh. you're still listening, though, could you please rate and review us on iTunes? I'd be fine with a three star. I don't expect a five. You can you can give us a three. <laughs> you can give us a five and just and just and do nothing but but gloat on Mac all 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 through your review. You know. Say Tyler, say T makes it a, a a two star review. Mac makes it a five. I might be your number one fan. Might be. <laughs> Any hoot. Let's get back onto the story because we still got we still got a ways to go. The guy at the bar is telling her she was not at her friend's house watching Wife Swap that night. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. She. she was in the bathroom of the bar, doing rails and banging her boyfriend. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> That's what he says. That's what she was doing. He knows because he was pounding on the door trying to get in to use the bathroom. But I mean, I know that's what he says. Just, just the way you say it. <laughs> it's no nonchalantly. She's just doing rails and banging her boyfriend. <laughs> that's what she was doing. Anyway, so... Now they know that Helene not only has a missing kid, but she's not exactly the most honest person in the world. But I feel like you probably didn't have to go to the dive bar to find out that she's not the most honest person in the world. You should probably get that from your first meeting with her. Now that they know that Helene cannot be trusted, they go and they meet with Detectives Remy and Nick. Remy is played by Ed Harris. Nick is played by... I don't know. I didn't write his name down on my notes. He's not that interesting of a character. Really hardly that important of a character. He's the one person in the cast that has like the most generic name possible. (laughs) And he's probably the worst actor in the cast. I'm just not buying him. I just, I don't know. Like everybody else has such awesome names. Patrick? Patrick. That's not even an awesome that name. That is an awesome name. Patrick. Yeah. I don't know what his last name is, but I like to imagine it's O'Flannery or something. And he's like, oh, Patrick O'Flannery, living in Boston. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways. Well, I guess Angie's kind of a boring name. But uh, everyone else has, like, very distinct names. And then, yeah, I, like, Remy? Oh, that's an awesome name. Okay. I wish my Remy, name was Remy. Remy's a good name. Like, Remy, and like, I'm not saying that they're all good names. I'm just saying that they're unique names. Yeah, Patrick. That's not unique at all. There's so many. Patrick Star. I don't know who that is. Sponge. What? I don't know who that 
SpongeBob. Oh, oh my God! I hate SpongeBob. SpongeBob is such a horrible, horrible thing. I I do like, however, the guy that does the voice of Patrick, uh, Terry something or other. I can't pronounce his last name. I know him because he was Dauber on Coach. And Coach is a show that Mac probably never, ever, 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 ever watched because it was in the 90s. And he wasn't born until, like, yesterday. Was it part of the All That era? No. You would actually, you actually might like Coach. Coach was a really good show. It's probably the best thing to come out of the 90s, in my opinion. Uh, Kenan and Kel was a great show. You, you just shut your mouth. <laughs> it you was. It, your, it was a great, it was a great show. No. God. Fresh Prince was a great show. I get behind that. I did like me. I do like me some Fresh Prince. Oh, but not Keenan and Kel. No, not Keenan and Kel. Oh, here it goes. <sighs> All right. Anyways, anyways, uh, yeah. Anyways, Nick has the most boring name. He's the worst actor, and I just didn't write his name down on the notes. That's how we got off track. It was because I didn't have his name on the notes. It's Remy and Nick. They're talking to Remy and Nick. They have information that uh, is pretty much useless. While Patrick and Angie have information that is not useless. Uh, they're trading information. They're trading suspects and, and stuff like that. Uh, Nick and Remy, they have like a couple of possible suspects, a couple of like pedophiles and sex offenders and stuff. But Amanda doesn't fit their particular profiles. Mm-hmm. She's she's a girl, and she is younger than they generally like. Where these suspects tend to go for older boys, and so they're kind of yeah. So yeah, they're kind of useless as far as that. Uh, their suspects are kind of useless as far as that goes. And really, here right down to it, uh, Remy and Nick are kind of useless up to this point too, because. Because they didn't find anything useful. Yeah, they they didn't bring anything to the table. <laughs> they really huh. didn't. Patrick and and Angie clue them in that that Helene was at the bar doing rails and banging her boyfriend, and not across the street watching Wife Swap. Is Wife Swap still a thing? I don't have cable, so I don't think it was ever on cable. I thought it was like a. I don't think I it was, was like ABC. Then I've never seen that. I don't know. My dad used to watch Wife Swap. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He used to watch all sorts of weird things. Like, he used to watch, like, the the Ozzy Osbourne show, the reality show with Ozzy Osbourne in it. Oh, right. Did you watch I the freaking hated that Brad show Michaels so one? I don't think so. Oh. I don't even know who that is. Who is that? Guns N' Roses. Oh, God, no. I, I hate Guns N' Roses so much. So... Much. <laughs> I wasn't even alive when their music came out, so I was gonna say. I, was gonna say, <laughs> I like, don't have an opinion. We have like either way. We have like a the whole reason you didn't know who Live was when we did Kodachrome was because they they were making music before you were born. <laughs> so I was gonna say, if you're a big Guns and Roses fan, then we got an issue. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways. uh so yeah, they let them know that Helene's a big lion bitch, and <laughs> <laughs> they go and they talk to Helene. Actually, 
Actually, no, the um, Patrick. I don't remember if Angie goes with him. Uh, I think she does. But they go and they talk to Bubba. Because Bubba is... Uh, he's like a drug dealer of sorts. He knows a lot of shady people. So he might know something about Helene. Because Helene does drugs. I don't think she went with him. At, actually, I don't think she went with him any of the times he went and visited. Yeah, I don't think so either. She does go with him when uh, when he meets with Cheese. And we'll get to Cheese later. Yeah. That's, it's a unique name. Same as a great name. It's a unique That's name. It's unique. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways. Hey, Mac, what do you call Cheese that doesn't belong oh, to you? Oh, God. Is it because you're looking at my nachos? What? No, no. Do you know the answer? Do you what? What do you? Call, I know the What answer. do you call cheese that doesn't belong to you? Nacho cheese. Boom. Yeah, yeah. You hear that? You hear that, everybody? That is the sound of Max mind blowing away. I just blew his mind. And no, it's not because I have been wanting to tell that joke for so long. Why? <laughs> Because I love it. And I knew that we were going to have a conversation about a character named Cheese. And then I could tell this awesome Cheese joke. And then it just so happens. Listeners, you don't know this. Mac is sitting with a cartoonishly large plate of nachos sitting in front of him. Are you judging my nachos now? (laughs) It's a very large plate of nachos. There was only half a bag of chips left. I just threw them on the plate. I made a little more hamburger than I thought I was going to make. <laughs> they do look like kind of tasty nachos. I'd do without the green and the and the sour cream. Salsa. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was like guacamole or Ew, something. no. Okay. There's no guac in this house. Guac? God, why? There's no I, playing. I the, take, there's no SNES playing I around take, here. I take issue with so... <laughs> Many of the things you say. So many. Guac. SNES. I don't even I don't even like that you call your basement a man cave. I hate the phrase man cave so Why? much. That's what it is. No, it's why can't you just call it a basement? It's creepier that way. If I call is it a creepier man creepier calling it a basement? Yes. If I call it a man cave, I mean mm, no, I don't think so. Like where these boards are, there's no girls allowed. I'm going to put a sign up that says, no girls allowed. Pass this point. Ladies and gentlemen, my 12-year-old co-host. <laughs> uh, caves are creepy. It's where bears live. And trolls. But it's a Sometimes man cave. It. Yeah. Cave uh, man, man cave. Just call it a manhole then. It's not a hole though. Well, what is a cave if not a hole? It's a cave. <laughs> it's a big hole. That's what a cave is. A, a cave is a hole, oftentimes on the side of a mountain. What about a man bunker? How about we just not... How about you just call it a cave? Why do you have to put... I, I don't understand why people have to put the word man in front of it. Because it gives you chest on your hair, okay? <laughs> not digging it. Not digging it. Anyways. 
guac man cave. Snes. <laughs> Everybody out there, just don't call it a SNES. It's Super Nintendo or S N E S. Okay, I don't even remember where we were. I told uh, an awesome joke that Max so we were talking about Bubba. Answered. Bubba, they're talking to Bubba. At least Patrick's talking to Bubba because he knows people. He tells Patrick and Angie. Oh, it says on my notes that he tells Patrick and Angie about Cheese, who is Helene's dealer. So Angie must have been there. That or I wrote my notes down wrong, which <laughs> is possible. It is possible, but I'm going to say that my notes are right. Anyways, he tells uh, he tells them about Cheese, who happens to be Helene's dealer. So now they have more information, and it's time to go talk to Helene. So this time they go talk to Helene, but they take Remy and Nick. <laughs> Sound and, like a wrestling announcer. <laughs> uh, do you watch wrestling? You a wrestling no, fan? No, I'm not our grandpa. <laughs> I'm not a big wrestling fan either. He is a diehard. Yes, he is. He just recently went to another match. Really? Yes. Huh. He's gone quite often, actually. Really? Oh, I can't picture him going. My, oh. da- my dad once went to an Alice Cooper concert, mm-hmm. and it had Rob Zombie. I can't picture my dad going to Rob Zombie. going to a Rob Zombie. Yeah, concert. I couldn't. Yeah, so I can't picture. I can't picture Grandpa going to a wrestling match either. That's weird. Yeah. Hey, well, he, did you know what's funny? Is he thinks it's real. Oh well, hey, that's fine. To each their own. That's just why it's it's real to him, and that's all that matters. Like I can see back in the day when he was watching it, it was real. But to an extent. To an extent, it is real. I mean, yeah, the storylines are scripted, but they are really getting beat. They really are getting, like, I mean, you got to be in some pretty serious shape to, to, to do what they do. I mean, they are really, they are, they are in reality. There's a guy, there's a wrestler, he was in WWE. Who made an entrance through the lights, like way up top. Okay. The wire snapped, (laughs) and he hit the turnbuckle (laughs) and died. (laughs) That's about as real as it got. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you're watching a movie and you and and you see somebody doing a stunt, and they're like jumping from like, uh, Bruce Lee did his own stunts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's not what we're talking about. Oh, we're we're getting into we're getting into what's real and what isn't real. Wrestlers are basically just stuntmen, just really bulked out stuntmen. When you see a uh, a stuntman rolling a car or jumping out of a building, they're really jumping out of a building, right? With strings attached. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe there's a big, maybe there's a big uh, pillow on the on the ground that they landed on, your big bouncy house thing or something. I mean, they're really going, they're really doing the action. Yeah, but these are stuntmen. We're these, we're not talking about wrestlers. Well, like the wrestlers... like the bleeding and stuff. That's oh, I think that's real. Ah, uh, I've seen videos where they've had like little razors. Where yeah, they, yeah. Like, See, cut themselves. Yeah. 
that's not because of the injuries there. Well, there's it's still an injury. Like the Rock isn't out here giving people's elbows and crushing windpipes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that there is a level of realism to it. They're not like... I mean, like, when they hit the mat, when, like, somebody knocks them down and they hit the mat, they do really hit the mat. They're not like... Well, yeah, that I can believe. But, like, when they're jumping from one end of the ring to the (laughs) other... (laughs) Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just saying that there is a level of realism to it. How many I times could, I couldn't do it. How many times is the Undertaker gonna die? I don't know because has he died? He's died like ten times. Well, that's fine. People people can think it's to each their own. Let let the old man have his thing. That's all I'm saying. This is another birthday coming there up. Is there is a level of realism in wrestling? I can I can fully admit that there's a level of realism in wrestling. Just like there's a level of realism in any movie where there's a stuntman literally jumping from a window or or rolling rolling a car on fire. Take MMA versus WWE. Well, I don't really like that either, though. Well, but I'm yeah, just... it's real. Like that that is more real. I give you that. I fully admit that's that's more. Re- I'm not saying wrestling is 100 percent real. I'm just saying that there is a level of realism i guarantee i guarantee that neither one of us could do anything even remotely close (laughs) to what a professional wrestler does you that it requires so much like actual stamina and strength to actually okay to even go through that stuff okay picture this if you grab one of these steel chairs that i have (laughs) And crack me over the skull. <laughs> and I get up, I will believe you. <laughs> if I'm not dead. <laughs> if you jump off a chair and I lay it across this table and it cracks in half and I'm still alive, <clears throat> I'll believe you. I don't even know why we're arguing about this. All I'm saying is that there's <laughs> a level of realism. It's not like they're like not actually go- doing anything physical. They are doing things that are physical. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't matter. How did we get this far? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't even know how we got to wrestling. How did we get to know? Uh had nothing Bubba and then Oh, because I said you sound like a wrestling. Oh right. When I said when I said Remy. Yes. And Yes. Anyways, we'll see if that stays in. That went. That went long. That went. That went (laughs) long. Long. Anyways, if you're still listening to us, if you haven't tuned out by now, or maybe that's why. Maybe you are listening because you don't even care about the movie, but you like the little bits that happen between (laughs) scenes of the movie. That's fine too. I don't care why you're listening. I'm just happy that you're listening because I love you. I love you more than Mac does. Don't listen to him. Don't believe him if he says otherwise. I love you more than Mac. Thank you, Miss McMartin. Except for you, Miss McMartin, Mac probably loves you a little bit more. Although, I am the one that went and read your About page and have your page still on my phone. 
I don't see, I don't see Mac doing that. I so. screenshotted uh, that she agreed with me, so I hold that very dear to my heart. You screenshotted it probably after I screenshotted it and sent it to you. So you might have just <laughs> taken so a screenshot true. of a That's screenshot. So <laughs> <laughs> he got me. <laughs> anyways, anyways, I bet, I bet she checked out like, I bet she checked out like twenty minutes ago, at least. She at probably least, started at listening at like <laughs> as above, so below, and was like, "Wow." <laughs> She's like, "This is the kind of stuff Mac likes." <laughs> Maybe my movie's not that great. Right. Anyway, let's get back to this. Uh, because listeners, you don't... I shouldn't play with my... It's making noise. Listeners. Oh, but I can't eat mashed potatoes and nachos. <laughs> <laughs> now who uses the generic voice? Anyway. Little do you know, listeners. We've been recording for nearly an hour now. We're not even halfway through. The- <laughs> not even halfway through the movie, and after we're done with Gone Baby Gone, we still have an episode for the autopsy of Jane Doe. So let's let's get back to it. Let's keep it pushing. Let's keep it pushing like uh, like a baby in bird box. Keep it pushing. No, Max shaking his head. That wasn't a good joke. No, there's just some. Writing on my table that's scaring me. Ah, uh, it's, it's that ghost. It's the ghost of your man cave. They're saying, stop calling it a freaking man cave. Oh, it says boo. Boo to homework. So it must be one of the kids oh, doing their homework. I was going to say, it's exactly what a ghost right? would say. Boo. <laughs> stop. To homework. Knock, knock. Nope. Knock, I'm knock, not doing it. Knock. Knock. I'm gonna Who's there? Boo. <sighs> Damn it. Come on. Boo-hoo. Oh, don't cry, man. Don't cry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to make you cry. You heard it here first, everybody. I made him cry. <sighs> Me and Mr. Church. Me and Mr. Church. Okay. Let's go. Let's get back to it. They uh, now that they know about cheese, they go and talk to Helene this time with Remy and Nick. And Remy and Nick, they do like a good cop, bad cop thing. Uh, uh, Ed Harris is a freaking beast in this movie. I almost thought he was gonna punch her in the face. He's like asking her questions. She's giving all these smart ass remarks. She's smirking all over the place. She's just, uh, she's just being a horrible human being. And. And then Nick comes in and he's like, hey, it's okay. You can talk to us. We just want to be friends. And then Remy's like, <laughs> and then Remy just like gets all up in her face and just screams at her. Uh, good cop, bad cop. Good, yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I, I'm pretty sure I said literally good cop, bad cop. Yeah. There's an echo in this cave. In this cave. In this cave. This is where we find out that uh, Helene, not only does she do drugs, she also sometimes mules, and B is not entirely sure what that is because B is of of pure heart, and <laughs> and Helene is is very happy to point out that uh, that it means that she transports drugs from point A to point B. We just really find out just how terrible a mother 
Helene is at this point. Uh, it comes out that it comes out that uh, at one uh, one time she went and uh, like she took Amanda with her to, like a drug run. Yeah, for yeah. a drug run one time. She makes she kind of makes it like this weird social issue. Like, yeah, I don't got I don't got daycare. I got to take my kid with me to do drug stuff. Like, uh, maybe you just don't need to do drug stuff, right? Maybe just be a decent human being. You don't even have to be like the greatest mom. Just be a better mom. And the bar's pretty low, so it doesn't take much to be a better mom at this point, right? It also comes out here that. Uh, and I don't know exactly how it comes it comes around here, but uh, you find out that she stole money from Cheese. And so they naturally, now that they know that she stole money from Cheese, they assume that Cheese took her kid right. as sort of like a, I don't know, hostage or some way to get the money back. Even though at this point he hasn't uh, reached out to anyone as far as like a ransom or anything goes. Right, it's been seventy two hours. And... <laughs> yeah, like, like probably four days by now. Yeah, and you're, and they're all assuming that Cheese has her her uh, has her daughter. I feel like a drug dealer might not take your daughter in secret. <laughs> he might just be like, "I'm taking your daughter until you give me my money back," but. Uh... <laughs> Well, it kind of in. It reminds me. Have you ever seen Man on Fire with Denzel? I think it, it's it's fairly old. It's the one with the little girl. Yeah, it has Dakota Fanning yeah. in it. Ah, Dakota Fanning. She didn't grow up to be a good actor. She really wasn't a good child actor either. I thought she was okay. She, she was a decent child actor. Well, when she said in and, Twilight, I mean, I said I didn't realize she was in Twilight. The last thing I saw her in was probably War of the Worlds. Keanu Reeves? Nope. That's the day the Earth stood still. War Can't of the Worlds was... No, no. <laughs> Far from the same thing. Anyways. War of the Worlds was Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways. Anyways, Man on Fire? Yeah, well, it just like the the story of that is drug dealer kidnaps this man's daughter and basically wants so much money to return her back. Yeah. But it was within <laughs> it was within seventy two hours. But he wasn't like he wasn't like I'm gonna take this I'm gonna take this kid and just hope they figure out it's me, right? So I can collect a ransom that originally belonged to me in the first place. <laughs> so, but anyways, we now assume that Cheese has has her daughter. All they need to do is go talk to Helene's boyfriend Ray, get the money back, give the money back to Cheese, and get her daughter back. They go and they, they, I do actually kind of like this part. They're in the car. They're all going to go talk to Cheese. Remy refuses to let Helene in his car. <laughs> and so he makes her drive with Patrick and Angie. This is probably actually my favorite scene in the entire movie. They're driving to see Cheese and Patrick's having this conversation. He's, it's like a, it's like just a regular, friendly conversation right and he asks her he he mentions that like he went to the same high school as her like he's like two years younger or something like that he mentioned he asks her about this guy that she was dating 
And she mentions, oh, yeah, he stabbed a guy. Now he's in jail. <laughs> like, he's serving life. He's a fag now. Yeah. <laughs> and they have, the, they, like, they have this little back and forth that, that is genuinely friendly. And, and, and you realize at this point that Patrick's not necessarily looking at her like a terrible person, like everybody else is. He's looking at her like a person. Just a person, right? It, and and largely, you assume because because the whole community thing that he was going on about earlier. He mentioned something about the guy used to always wear shorts and 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 something. Or he makes a comment that yeah, he, he was an okay looking guy. <laughs> and and Helene's just just in the backseat. She's like, ah, now you are the fag. <laughs> And she, and then she kind of like prods uh, Angie a little bit, like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, you're dating a fag," but uh, those are her words. Don't get mad at me, all you. Don't get mad at me, anybody out there that finds that word offensive. Those are Helene's words. She's a horrible person. She shouldn't use those words, but I do like that part of the movie because it made me chuckle. And that's a really, that is the lightest part of this entire movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say so. It is. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, eventually later on, once we get in, you know, once we get towards the end, there are lighter moments. But this is like the lightheartedest, heartedest heart. It's the most lighthearted moment. (laughs) That's that sounds about right. (laughs) Anyways, um, they go and they go to find Ray, so they can get the money back. But Ray has already been worked over and murdered. He's been like pretty severely beaten, and uh, you find out that Ray Ray never gave up the money, mostly because he just didn't know where the money was. Helene went and hid it in the backyard while he was like passed out one night or something. So uh, she gets the money back, and now it's time to go talk to Cheese. And <laughs> such a man's name oh but it's unique it is unique i it is unique i still stand by it being a unique name i just i just think it's it's a it's an odd name for a haitian drug lord anyway there is a there is a part earlier on too where ed harris is asking her about cheese He's asking Helene if she knows who Cheese is, and she's like, "I may know him." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, yeah, he's a Haitian drug lord who goes by the name of Cheese. You either know him or you don't." <laughs> oh, so many good mo- moments in this movie. Uh, so they go and they talk to Cheese, uh, Patrick and Angie, mostly Patrick, and uh, gets uh, Nick and. Uh, Nick and Remy to agree to let them go in on their own because Patrick knows how to deal with these people. Didn't he? Did he know Cheese? He knew. He knew the guy that was his like right hand man. He mentioned. I believe he mentioned that he knew Cheese's brother. Oh, and I think he says that Cheese's brother actually went on to be like a decent person, Mm. where where Cheese took a chose like a different path in life, right? I guess that's really all you need. Like, if you want to talk to a drug dealer, I guess you just have to know their brother. <laughs> They're nicer brother. It seems like kind of a stretch, but uh, he does have a, he has more of a connection to Cheese than the police do, mm-hmm. and he's not a cop, 
So right, he's, he's got a couple things working for him. Uh, Nick and Remy, they agree to let him go, let him and Angie go in and talk to talk to Cheese on his own. He's a pretty big guy. You know what that makes him? The big cheese. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. I'm not even going to say anything. You just did. I win. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they talk to Cheese. He actually seems like he's an okay, like he's not like super aggressive to him. He's just sitting there like smoking and he seems pretty casual considering he's got these two white strangers, like the whitest of white strangers sitting in his house. And he's sitting there with like his right hand man who, who I don't remember what, uh, Jimmy, it might be Jimmy. He looked like a Jimmy. He does look like a Jimmy. I don't know if it's Jimmy. We're calling him Jimmy. Anyways, he's sitting there with Jimmy. You know, that guy's really got nothing going for him in this movie. Uh he shows up a little bit later for for like a for like a, a split second to just kind of explain what things how things are going on in the movie and what, what really happens later on. But Cheese is quick to point out that he didn't he didn't take her damn kid. <laughs> a he wants his money back. If they have his money, they need to leave it in the mailbox. And get the hell out of his house because he doesn't do nothing with kids. And it gets it gets pretty tense pretty quickly after they have accused him of, of stealing a kid. And, of course, since they brought two cops along sitting on his front yard, he pretty much just sends them on their way. And I, I say I, I actually do hate this part of the movie. One of my least favorite things in movies is when is when you you force the name of the movie into the dialogue. I thought the same exactly when I watched it. <laughs> he says he says, "Yeah, if you haven't found that girl yet, she's gone, baby. Gone." And ah, oh, it just drives me nuts. So like that line would have been just fine. If the movie wasn't called Gone Baby Gone. Right. <laughs> but like you can have one or the other. You can have the awesome line or you can have the intriguing title. But you can't have both. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so so he pretty much sends them on their way. And they now realize that Cheese is not who they thought he was. Well, he is kind of who they thought he was. He's still a horrible human being <laughs> drug dealer. But he's not a kidnapper. So he's slightly less bad than you than you generally think. And then like uh just a couple minutes later, uh you find out that uh Cheese has called the police, turned himself in kind of, and said, Yes, I do have the kid. I was lying to those two detectives. <laughs> give me my money and I'll give you the kid back. And he he of course, he calls uh, he calls the police station directly. I don't know. Did it? Does it? Do they say that he called Doyle directly? Doyle's got like a transcript of the call. I don't think, but he, I don't think he's the one he talked right. to. Uh, I think Remy's the one that talked to him. That could be. That could be. He's also delivered a package with like a, a ransom note and instructions on how to deliver the money back and. Uh, you know, make the trade in it. And with it is uh, like a, a a shirt or a piece of fabric mm-hmm. from 
from Amanda. So that way, you know he's not lying. Because he would never lie. <laughs> Drug dealers would never lie. Uh, we're getting pretty close to like the actual... Uh, we're, we're, I think we're actually past the halfway point of the movie, but this is kind of a turning point. It's it's coming up to the main, to like the big turning point. Uh, everyone gets called in to Doyle's office. He's super, super upset because he is now implicated in some illegal activities because they they had kind of taken things into their own hand. And now he's caught up in this, uh, in all this shady business. And Patrick even tries to tries to say that he'll he'll go ahead and take the responsibility, yeah, of the it. responsibility of it. And boy, Doyle's not having that either. Doyle just really doesn't like. Him. It's like, don't you try to be noble, boy. And uh, that's my that's my Morgan Freeman. Is it a good Morgan Freeman? It's all right. It's an all right. It's all right. Fair enough. Good. It's not like Lean on Me, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> But it's kind of like Seven, Morgan Freeman. Okay. Did you like Seven? I thought it was a great movie. Hmm. That was an okay movie. I didn't like the ending. You didn't like the ending? Yeah, I didn't like the end. I thought the ending was pretty anticlimactic. Yeah. If that ever makes it to Netflix, we might have to do an episode on that one. It is on Netflix. Is it? Yep. Still? Yep. Hmm. Okay, Just well. Just seen it on there yesterday, actually. Awesome. Well, that won't be my next pick. But if it's on in like the next few weeks, it might be my next pick after that. Anyways, um, God, you're bad. Uh, anyways, um, Doyle pretty much tells them that fine, gonna do the, got to do it this way now because you guys are freaking douches and you get messed everything up. He agrees to go on with the uh, with the trade, and of course the trade is on like a cliffside, <laughs> right? Like a cliffside over a pond or a lake, not a pond. In the middle of the night, no less. So they go, they make the trade. It's trading hours. <laughs> trading <laughs> hours, yeah. Nobody makes trades in broad daylight. That's really silly. They go to the quarry to do the trade. I think it's Angie thinks that uh, thinks it's really weird that they would be doing the trade at that particular point. Mm-hmm. Everyone else kind of thinks it's perfectly normal. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Everyone's doing their thing. Shots are heard. And suddenly you hear uh, a splash in the lake down below. And you find out the cheese is dead. Is it just cheese? I think it's just cheese that dies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I guess cheese is dead. Amanda has gone off the cliffside. I think you just see her doll floating in the river. Yeah. Um, Angie... Angie jumps in after her, but uh, she can't seem she can't find the body or anything. She break her leg. I don't think she breaks her leg, but she does end up in the hospital because she's not like walking around on a crutch for the rest of the movie. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting when people don't break their I legs. They broke, I thought she broke her leg. No, I, I'm I'm pretty you sure. You would she think didn't. the way she went down though. She probably should have broke a leg, but she did not break a leg because, like I said, she's not in cast. She's not in, she's not hobbling around. She's not. She actually seems to recover pretty nicely. But they do do it. There's a time jump here, though. So maybe she did break her leg, I guess, and then they, they just 
skip past it because there's a little bit of a time jump here. After this, they just assume that Amanda is dead. Amanda is actually declared dead. They even have a funeral for her, and life just kind of goes on. Patrick does a little bit more narration. Angie took this, like, really, really hard. Uh, sometimes when she when she thinks that he when he's not around or when she thinks he's not around, he hears her crying. She's not quite the same after this, and even he's not really quite the same after it either. But life does go on until another child is kidnapped. It was a boy, wasn't it? Yes, yes. It uh, a little boy gets kidnapped, and there's very similar news coverage about the boy. Uh, as there was with Amanda. Oh, also, also during the time jump, Doyle ends up resigning because he's, well, he took the fall for the all the illegal activity that he had been roped into, right, and the botched ransom. Nick and Remy, they got to stay on the force, and of course, of course, Patrick and Angie are doing their thing. Everyone else got off kind of scot-free for, for everything that went down. Yeah. and Except for Doyle. And even Doyle got off kind of lightly. I don't know if you... Is it, is it called an honorable discharge if it's just a police force? I feel like that's more of a military thing. They, they let him resign respectfully. Right. And they give him, like, his pension and stuff. So he retires. Patrick continues to think that... Uh, and he, he just feels like there's something a little bit off about how everything... Uh, went down and then another kid goes missing like we said a little boy goes missing patrick's at the bar one day and he sees he's approached by bubba as we know bubba is the drug dealer that knew who cheese was that knew who helene was Ah, because there's so many so many characters if there's a part of the movie that could be removed it's this part right here I don't know how absolutely necessary all this stuff actually is. Bubba needs some help, and he he and Patrick agrees, and Patrick's taken to a, a crack den. Does Bubba assume? I, th- I think Bubba think uh, suspects that. Uh, well, now that I thought it set in motion, kind of towards the end well, or the ending for it. Well, it does, but I mean. I feel like you could probably get to the ending without this without this sequence. And I can't remember if it's because they think that this guy has the kid that they think that these oh, people uh had something to do with the necklace the kid was wearing. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyways, he takes him to uh he takes him to a crack house. Patrick like just kind of goes along with it. Like Patrick is briefly kind of a drug dealer here. <laughs> like like he's like riding along he's got his gun with him he he takes the money he's counting the money from the cra- from the from the addicts and stuff and and he's like he's doing pretty much whatever bubba tells him to do bubba all this time he like he, he kind of like makes it he kind of like barges into this house and uh it's got uh oh it's the guy from breaking bad in the wheelchair did you ever watch did you watch breaking bad I hate you. No. God. Out of all the things you could not... Oh, man. I just... I never... The first scene is Walter running around in his underwear. 
You you gave like you gave like Game of Thrones like four seasons before you decided. Yeah, but I'm more then, I'm more like towards the fantasy medieval stuff than I am math. And what the hell was? <laughs> and what we were talking about something earlier that you gave like three seasons before you were like Empire. Yeah, you like gave Empire like three seasons. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, Breaking Bad is an incredible show. Give it two episodes. If you even make it past the first episode, probably be hooked. Such a good show. I heard Better Call Saul was good. That's okay. Isn't like a prequel? Uh, or kinda, intertwined? Kinda, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's not as good as Breaking Bad. But anyway, part of it takes place in Omaha. Part of Better Call Saul takes place in Omaha. In Nebraska? Okay, I gotta watch it. Well, you might be... You could probably watch Better Call Saul without watching Breaking Bad. You'd get more out of Better Call Saul than you if you watched Breaking Bad. But but yeah, because like there's a portion at the end of the series of Breaking Bad where where uh, the Saul Goodman character he's in deep trouble and he's like yeah it's like I just need to disappear and like I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll get a job in Omaha at a Cinnabon or something. And so then. There's a portion of Better Call Saul where he's working at a uh, a Cinnabon in Omaha. Oh. But that's really about it. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, uh, one of the crackheads is, <laughs> for all the people out there that have seen Breaking Bad, one of them is, uh, <laughs> is the old man in the wheelchair that, that rings the bell all the time. He's in Scarface. Okay. He's the guy that uh, puts the bomb under the car and Scarface kills him. Ah, yeah. I haven't watched Scarface forever. I think, isn't that like Sam's, one of Sam's favorite movies? It is. is. I used to have, I used to have this awesome box of, of, like this awesome box set of Scarface. It was like, it was like a great big black box. And you open it up, and there's like this satin lining mm-hmm. with with the DVD at that time in there. And then like you you take that out, and it's got like movie stills and the old like 1920s Scarface, and oh, man. it was really cool. But I hardly ever watched it, so I just gave it to one of my friends. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a little long though. I, I watched say. it like I watched it. A, I watched it a crazy amount, and I liked the movie. But I kind of got to the point where, like, I I just had not been watching. Like, I was like, I don't know when I'm going to watch this again. Right. It's just sitting on my shelf collecting dust. And one of my, I had a friend that was like super big into Scarface, so I was like, so I was like, well, you'll get more use out of this than I will. You could, you can just have it. And so I gave it to him. Should have gave it to Sam. I think Sam might already had it. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways. Enough of that. That's what, uh, anyway. So now you have two things that, uh, that this guy that's in the movie for like two <laughs> minutes <laughs> is in. Uh, Breaking Bad and Scarface. And two minutes of Con Baby Gone. Uh, <laughs> anyways, while they're, while Bubba's running, uh, wandering around the house, there's this guy, this creepy guy in the house and he's, He's got uh, like a St. Christopher medal or something on his, like dangling from his wrist. Mm-hmm. And that's how they know that 
that he is the kidnapper of this child because it's been all over the news that he like he was la- the kid was last seen wearing like this St. Christopher medal or something like that. And so they they take their leave. I think that might be the last time you see Bubba for the rest of the movie. Yes. Patrick goes and gets Remy and Nick. Yeah, I think he went straight to him. Yeah. All three of them go go back to the house and you know they're about to raid it so they can save this kid. And Nick goes up to the front door and gets shot. That's the last. It's, uh, I, that's it for. <laughs> that is it for Nick. Pretty much, yeah. Um, he gets shot. Uh, Patrick tries to save him, but is unable to. So he runs into the house. He 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 pulls his own gun. Runs into the house. He's he is kind of a Silence of the Lambs kind of moment here, where he's going through the house, and it's really tense and like everything's dark and dim and creepy and kind of gross. Kind of like One River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably a better comparison. Is is the Wind River scene with Elizabeth Olsen, except he's not just unloading clips on everybody. (laughs) Didn't she have pepper spray in her eyes? I feel like that's what gave it the feeling. Is because she got she had something in her eyes. I don't think so. Oh, I don't think it was pepper spray, but it was something. I don't think so. I think she. I don't think so because she was unloading clips like all the time in that movie. We'll have to go back and look. Anyways. Anyway. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a very tense moment. He's going through the house, and he he makes his way upstairs, and he, he comes across this guy, this creepy guy from earlier, and the guy's just kind of like muttering uh, something about an accident, and Patrick discovers the the body of the, of the little boy, and so he kind of takes justice into his own hands and flat out murders this guy. It's kind of a turning point for Patrick as well. Like we said earlier, he's very he's very Catholic. He worries a lot about what sins are and what and and doing right and wrong and he's very he's very conscious about like he's he's a very uh, morally I don't know. Uh he's just he's just he's just uh I don't even know what I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say, Mac? He's morally conflicted? Yes. He's morally conflicted. That's, I think that's probably what I was going to say. It's about time. It's about time you tell me what I was thinking. Somebody's got to do it. I couldn't hear you over the bottle cap. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Anyways, he's very morally conflicted throughout the entire thing, and especially now that he has taken the life of someone, even if it was somebody horribly horribly bad and pure evil nick ends up dying which is kind of a bummer because nick was the good cop and now ed harris is just a bad cop really if you don't have good cop kind of throws the whole thing off yeah (laughs) um angie kind of gets angie is like super supportive of this you you do what's best for the kid even if it's not the right or legal thing right and and so she's very supportive of him even though he even though max over there yawning <laughs> i just it, had a quick yawn <sighs> just that boring anyway <laughs> anyway uh yeah so she's super supportive of him 
And actually, it kind of even... I think it kind of even makes her fall in love with him all over again in in some weird, sick way. Like, <laughs> like, oh, you killed this guy. I love you I now. Love you. Things had gotten worse. It kind of gotten weird between the two of them. And, and there'd been a distance put between the two of them after, after the whole Amanda thing had, had happened when he kills this other awful human being. She kind of, it kind of closes that gap a little bit. Yeah. Patrick, he goes to Remy to, to kind of confide in him and and kind of you know get some advice maybe because Remy's been on the force for a, a good long time. Uh, I think he even mentioned. I think when they first meet, Remy even mentions that that he's been in Boston longer than longer than Patrick's been alive. Yeah. So he's 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 seen a few things. He's seen some bit. He's seen a few things. He's probably done a few things, and as we will now find out, that he has indeed done a few things. Remy is of the. He's not a crooked cop, per se, but he is of the belief, much like Angie, that you do what you need to do to ensure the safety of of the innocent people, and he. Because uh, Patrick's worried that you know, uh, Patrick says says that you know, uh, murder is a sin, and Remy kind of tries to tries to write it off as well. It just depends on who you murder, right? And 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 I kind of gotta say, I'm kind of with Patrick on this one, uh, and maybe that's just like my the the remnants of my Catholic upbringing, but or maybe it's just because I'm a good human being. I don't know. <laughs> but I kind of I kind of look at it like yeah murder is murder whether you do it to a bad person or a good person murder is still murder you're still ending a life but you're ridding the world of that bad person yeah. see and I, on that, on this subject <laughs> I'm more on Remy's side because I mean that's just the way I see it yeah but okay Remy tells this story. We're going to get back. To, we're going to come full circle on this thing. Remy tells this story about how he once planted coke on a guy so that way he could get him arrested, arrested and thrown into jail so that way his children could be like put into foster care or something like that and, and they could lead relatively normal lives and be happy. Okay. I can, I can understand Remy's point of view for that situation because... Because he's telling, because when he's telling the story, he mentions that they find all this stuff, but they don't find what they need in mm-hmm. order to put this guy away. That's why he has to plant the coke on him so that they can put him away. Okay, well, well, he didn't, he didn't murder the guy, but he got him sent to jail. There's, there, as far as Patrick goes in killing this guy, there's plenty. I mean. There's there's buckets of evidence that this guy was the kidnapper. Mm-hmm. He would have gone to jail and he would have he would have probably died in jail even. So, I don't know, like I don't agree with Remy as far as But there's that scenario where maybe he got a lighter sentence. Maybe he maybe he had that good of a lawyer that he didn't <laughs> even get put in jail. So, I guarantee I guarantee the possibly mentally handicapped 
crackhead does not have the good enough lawyer. He's using like a uh, like a terrible public defender. I'm just saying, I I I side more with Patrick on this one. I I think he could have he 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 could have sent the guy to jail. He could have let justice take its course, and 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 somebody else would have done the dirty work in prison because there's no way this guy would have survived in prison. Right. So so I'm with Patrick on this one. I I mean. We're not gonna get into like super hot button issues about 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 when it's okay to be a killer right. and when it's not. But I I side with Patrick on this one, and and I and I understand I I understand Remy's uh, philosophy on it. I can even understand where Remy's coming from as far as as his story of of planting the coke on the guy. But I just I'm more of a Patrick person. More of a Patrick person. So, so long as he's not a starfish. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know that. Everyone knows Patrick Star. Well, I do now. So now everyone knows. Before it was almost everyone knows Patrick Star, except for that one guy named T. Now it's everyone knows Patrick Star, even that one guy named T. Uh, we're on the downhill slide here. We're on the downhill slide. Remy, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Nick dies, and uh, Patrick continues to be morally conflicted. Remy continues to be a cop, <laughs> and Angie, Angie continues to do whatever it is Angie does. Life moves on. Life, life continues. They go to the. They go to Nick's funeral. In the uh, in the spoiler free portion, I was talking about the characters and how towards the end there is a character that literally shows up just for the sake of Patrick being able to explain what's happening in the movie. This is where you meet that one character. <laughs> <laughs> they're at a fun- they're at the funeral for Nick. The camera shows this guy at the funeral, like this bothers me so much because like they show him. Like you're supposed to know who he is, mm-hmm. even though this is the very first time you've ever seen him. Right. And uh, after the funeral, Patrick approaches him and and uh, and and you know asks him if he can talk to him about about uh, Remy. Actually, I don't even know if he asks him if he can talk to him about Remy in particular. He just asks him if he can talk to him, and it's like a really it's an important conversation, so you know they can't really do it in the middle of the cemetery when there's a whole <laughs> bunch of cops running around. I just, I'm just thinking, like I all of a sudden I just realized that I skipped a part earlier in the in the review, but that's okay. We're we're here now, and whatever whatever we don't cover, you can you can see in the movie. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't all that important, anyways. It was just when they first went to it was when they went to the first bar. And Patrick is like all badass and like pistol whipping the dude. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that part. <laughs> and it's, it was sitting there in the back yeah. of my mind, but I just <laughs> didn't even think to bring it up. Anyway, if you've watched the movie and you're wondering, and you're listening to this, and you're wondering why didn't they talk about that? We're talking about it now. <laughs> We've already mentioned it now. We're gonna get on with this portion of the of the review. That's how they found out that she was doing rails and banging <laughs> yeah, her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's how you find out that. That's that's when you find out that uh, that uh, that Casey that Patrick's actually kind of a badass when he wants to be. Anyways, he takes this cop out for a nice dinner, butters him up with some steak, and they have this conversation about Remy. And the cop kind of tells him to just kind of back off. I don't think he necessarily condones what Remy did or what Remy does or what anybody did or does, but he he is very cautious about what he says, and he just kind of tells him, you, you be careful about trying to... You be careful messing with the cops. You don't want to be... You don't want to be an outsider. You don't even want to be an insider. You don't want to be anybody investigating the cops in Boston. That's just not a good idea. It's not a good place to be, and it's not a good thing to do. That's all... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he leaves. He then says he, thanks for the stage. Yeah, and then he leaves. And oh, actually, this is uh, actually I believe that is that is after uh, Patrick realizes when he's talking to Remy the night that uh, the night that Nick dies. Remy mentions uh, mentions something about Ray. He mentions that Ray like used to snitch for used to be his like snitch for mm-hmm. a long time. Patrick realizes that Remy's been lying about something because earlier on in the movie. Remy mentioned that he didn't know who Ray was. And so now he knows that he did know Ray. But why would he lie about that? And that is why he goes and talks to this guy at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Even with my notes, I'm still scatterbrained. So, uh, oh, yeah, the cop, when when he's talking to this cop at the funeral, or shortly after the funeral, he, he tells him that Remy actually knew that she has got robbed before Cheese even knew he got robbed. Right. And so, of course, this is sending up even more red flags in Patrick's mind. So now he uh, now he knows that Remy is has been less than honest with him. And it's time to go talk to Lionel. He meets with Lionel at the bar. Remy, of course, tells him not to go to the bar. In the spoiler-free section, you were mentioning that the movie seems long to you. And I agree, it is kind of long. But, I mean, I don't think it's super long. But this portion of the movie, it just starts to move at kind of a breakneck speed. They do this thing where you hear a lot of conversations that just kind of play over characters not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And the conversations you know, explain things that happened earlier on in the movie that you didn't get to see prior. You know, that if you saw earlier, it would ruin the whole twist of the, it would, it would ruin all the mystique of the film. It would shave like maybe 20 minutes off. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I would disagree though, because you could make this movie two and a half hours, turn all this stuff into flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And, and I would still probably, I would still enjoy that movie. But, I feel like it's I just feel like it doesn't quite fit the whole thing. I feel like they got to the they got towards the end of the movie and they're like, "Yeah, it's running pretty long. How do we how do we get all this information to the viewer with without making it any longer? What's the fastest we can do?" Yeah, uh, let's do a bunch of conversations over stuff that's really boring. Like uh like like Lionel, he's sitting in his chair looking at pictures of Amanda, and you're hearing all these conversations kind of play over the action or kind of lack of action. <laughs> Lionel, they, they take Lionel to the bar. Remy, of course, tells him, don't go. 
you're going to make things bad. Things (laughs) are going to get bad if you go. But uh, anyways, they get him to the bar. Lionel tells Patrick and Angie that he knew Remy from way back in the day. He uh, got into a bar fight, and Remy saved him in the courtroom from jail time. Because apparently while he was in the fight, he must have said, uh, I'll kill you in the heat of the moment or something. And so that would turn just a bar fight into uh, like attempted manslaughter or something. And Remy went to court for him and, and testified that no, he did not say that and saved him from, saved him from, uh, from jail time. And eh, he was probably kind of, I mean, Lionel does say that, that B is the one that saved him from the alcoholism. Mm. But, yeah, Remy's got to have a part in that, too. Right. <laughs> Patrick explains what he thinks really happened, that the cops and Lionel actually set up the, the kidnapping. Lionel then explains that Patrick is is right, but things got complicated when B started going to the media and getting Patrick and Angie involved. You kind of see the 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 brief flashback where uh, where they first meet Patrick and and Angie and and B mentions that Lionel didn't want them involved or anything, so uh, that all makes sense now. And even when I watched it the second time, well, when I watched it the second time for the review, I I, I caught that part and I was like, oh yeah, he does say that. I guess I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, like, they do lay a lot of clues. There are a lot of, like, very subtle things. Maybe they didn't necessarily need to, like, fully explain, you know? It, and it would have made, and it would made, like, a second viewing that much more, uh, that much more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Kind of like watching, like, I hate to use it as an example, but kind of like watching The Sixth Sense for a second time. You ever seen The Sixth Sense? No. God damn. Do you know the twist at the end? I won't spoil it for you. Do you know the twist at the end of The Sixth Sense? You can spoil it for me. Well, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners in case they haven't in case they haven't seen this 20-year-old horror movie. Maybe not 20. <sighs> Anyways, The Sixth Sense has a crazy ass twist at the end of it. And when you watch it the second time, you start you notice a lot of things, a lot of very subtle things that you're like, "Oh yeah." I mean, I've had that happen that's to me though. Why? Okay, well, what's a, what's a movie that, that that that's happened to you then? Um Damn, you had to put me on the spot. Uh, yeah. I I'll think of one. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll talk to you about it after the show. All right. Anyway, how about signs? Have you seen signs? You seen anything from M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah, because it sounds familiar. But you haven't seen signs? Like, I feel like Signs in the Sixth Sense, everyone will tell you that Unbreakable and Split are the ones that are the best. I have not seen Unbreakable or Split, but... I've seen parts of Unbreakable. Split I watched. It was good. Yeah, but, uh... Different, but <laughs> I haven't seen Glass either. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen Glass either. Uh, but anyways, Sixth Sense and, and Signs. You, you watch them, and then you're like, oh, snap. That's insane. And then you watch them like a second time, and you're like, 
Oh yeah, I guess I did. Yeah, that does make sense. Like this scene does make more sense. Oh, now. actually, I got one. Um, Sherlock Holmes, Game of Shadows. Robert Downey Jr. Yes, and Jude Law. Mm, I have not seen that. It's a good. It was better than the first one. Mm. I have the first one on DVD. I bought it at a garage sale like two or three years ago, mm-hmm. but I have not watched it. But. Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a twist at the end of the second one that there were clues throughout ah. the movie, and so when you go back and watch right? it again, you're just like, oh, <laughs> that's why. So yeah, those movies probably have more rewatchability than like I feel like two times for Six Sense or and, and two times for Signs. At then that's enough. <laughs> like after that, after that, if you're watching those movies a third or fourth time, I don't know what's really wrong with you. But uh, I've never seen them. Anyways. Doesn't matter. The point is, the point is, the second. I, I feel like they probably could have left some of the explanation out, and it would have made a second watch or, or a third watch even that much more rewarding. He explains how the ransom went wrong, shots were fired, and Amanda, who was blindfolded, she panicked at the sound of the gunshots, and and she broke free from whoever was holding her, and she ran off the cliff, and that was. The end of Amanda. Was he the one holding her? I think he was the one holding her because, because at this point he does mention he mentions that he was like, like the whole reason that the the kidnapping was set up. I kind of skipped over was so that he could get Helene to give the ransom money to uh, Remy and Nick, mm-hmm. and then they all get paid and. You know they they teach uh, they teach Helene a lesson, and uh, no one is none the wiser. But they go to do the uh, they go to the they go to do the ransom thing, and it all just goes horribly wrong. She runs off the cliff, and she dies. Uh, the conversation in the bar gets interrupted by a masked man, who we find out is Remy. He comes in. He holds up the bar, kind of. He's got like a shotgun in his hand. You think he's going to rob the bar, but really he just he just goes over to Lionel and tells him to stop talking. Patrick knows he's got to do something. Mm-hmm. There's all there's, there's you know, the bar's not super crowded, but there's enough people in there. So he just starts like screaming, "Remy stole, Remy kidnapped the kidnapped Amanda. Remy did this. Remy, Remy did it. Remy did it." Of course, Shots are fired, but not by not by the masked Remy, but by the bartender. Of course, the bartender has a gun <laughs> behind. Well, yeah. no, no, I'm not. I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> I'm just saying Remy. Uh, Remy should have known that this bartender was gonna have a gun, right? Like, especially in Boston. <laughs> yeah, this is a rough freaking neighborhood. He should have known. He should have been a little more prepared, but he wasn't. He gets shot. Runs runs out of the bar, and also in this scene, we do see before Lionel tells the truth about what happened, he does break his sobriety. He, he orders like a bunch of shots and some whiskey or something. I don't know if that was like necessary. I guess it was kind of it was an okay moment. It's too much of a streak to just end right there. <laughs> twenty five years. Yeah, and then he's like, "Yeah, twenty five years is nothing to laugh at." Something like that. Yeah. But uh, anyways, 
uh, Remy Remy runs off, and does is it? I'm not entirely clear. Is uh, is Patrick? Does Patrick know that it's Remy in the mask at this point, or does he not realize it until after he like actually catches up with him? I think he does. I think he. I think he knew it was him when he was telling when Remy was telling Lionel to stop talking. Okay, and I think that's why he started saying. That could be. That Remy did it or whatever. That could be. You're probably right. Um, anyways, he gives chase. They... I gotta hand it to Remy. He runs like... He runs like... He seems to run forever. <laughs> like, I don't know how many blocks it is, but it seems like he runs a few blocks. And then he runs up a, a couple flights of stairs to get onto the rooftop of a building where Patrick eventually finds him. And this is actually the, the moment that the... If the viewer didn't know it now, didn't know it before now, this is the moment you really find out that it's Remy behind the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Remy dies. Patrick Patrick then goes to the police to expose this con- this conspiracy, and the police are kind of dicks. <laughs> you know, they're like... They're like, so you're a, so you're a private eye, and you... You gather clues for a living, but you didn't. Un- you didn't huh. get that any of this stuff was happening. <laughs> it's not their exact words, but that is—that's the sentiment. Right. While he's explaining what happened, the police—the uh, police tell him that something's not quite right with his story, and Patrick realizes something isn't right with—not necessarily not right with his story, because his story is right as far as he knows, but there is something fishy going on. Mm-hmm. Um, He's he's telling the police that uh, that uh, he read like a transcript the the call between Cheese and and whoever in the police department was recorded and he saw a transcript of it and the detectives that he's talking to are saying you know we don't record calls that just come into the station what transcript yeah they a they don't record calls that come into that just come into the station and b they don't make transcripts for those calls. Right. And so Patrick realizes that, you know, something's not right, and he just kind of tells the police, yeah, I must have just remembered it wrong. So now he knows. Oh, he knows that something's fishy with <laughs> with Doyle. Him and Angie go to Doyle in his, nice, in his nice little country home, you know, just like out on the outskirts of town. Patrick confronts him. Doyle's like packing up the car. He's getting ready to go somewhere. <laughs> they start having this conversation. And suddenly, the front door of this house opens up. And lo and behold, Amanda comes running out of the front door. Ah, <gasps> oh, man. I freaking. Ah, oh, such a good moment. Such a good moment. I feel like it could have happened at any point in the movie. No, 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 no. That's no. where, and that's why I felt like it was so long. This is the reward. This is well, this is part of the reward because you've you've unraveled this mystery. Maybe you, maybe you knew that she was going to be running out that door. Maybe you didn't. The first time I saw it, I admit I had no idea what he was doing going to talk to Doyle. I just I felt like a baby bird waiting to be fed. Oh, man. And when you and then and then when you do get fed, it's so satisfying. I was like, oh, I'm too full. Oh, no, it's so good. Such a great moment. I freaking love this part. 
she comes out. She gives uh, she gives Doyle a great big hug, and he sends her back in. And uh, she she runs back, and so she does. She runs back in. You also see Doyle's wife. She's kind of got like this look on her face, <laughs> like oh crap, oh, <laughs> like what? This isn't going to be good, is it? <laughs> so now you find uh, so now you get a, a clearer explanation of what actually happened. It was all a great big setup by Doyle. Uh, between Doyle and Lionel. Did we mention that Doyle's daughter? Oh yeah, died in like a similar <laughs> way. Oh my goodness. Yep, yep. That is a that is a bad reviewer on our part, huh? Doyle Doyle keeps bringing up throughout the entire movie that he lost a daughter. He knows what it's like to lose a kid, right? And that's what makes him such a great such a great cop, and that's what makes him such a great leader for this particular de- department because he. Desperately wants to find every missing child, and then keep them for his own. He 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 explains what actually happened. He pretty much set up cheese the way I understand it. And I could be wrong, but the way I understood it was he got cheese to kind of go along with this, with the promise of paying cheese off. Mm-hmm. And then once he got him out there to the quarry, he just killed him. Right, no loose ends. Yeah. And then, and and that was all just for looks. Like he was planning on killing Cheese all along. Right. Also tidying up the loose ends, they kill Cheese's uh, right hand man, Jimmy. Jimmy, that's right. We're calling him Jimmy. <laughs> Only they they don't kill him at the quarry. They kill him like on the street. It was a drive by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one's looking for Amanda if she's dead. That way, she could live happily ever after with Lieutenant Doyle or captain, or whatever he is. I'm assuming he probably knew that, uh, he probably knew that he was gonna, this was gonna be the end of his career, and probably knew that he was gonna be keeping his pension mm-hmm. and retirement. Because uh, otherwise, why would you do it? <laughs> like, I mean, there's just no... Because it's Morgan Freeman, he can do what he wants. <sighs> I guess. He pleads with Patrick to to not call the authorities. He makes his case as that Amanda is better off not with Helene because Helene's a horrible human being, as we have seen time and time again throughout the entire film. He mentions that he he did it partly for Amanda, but he did it partly for him as well. He wants Patrick to, to not call the police. He wants him to not call the police. He wants him to think about Amanda. He doesn't care if he's thinking about Doyle or anything right. like that. He just, just do it for the kid. Just do it for the kid because... That's what's best for the kid. Patrick's philosophy is that's only what you think is best for the kid. What's really best for the kid is being with her family, being with the people that that she belongs with. Mm-hmm. His logic is is you don't just take the kid. You you go through the proper channels. You know, if you think Helene's a bad parent. Then you call, you know, child protective services or do this or do that. You don't just you don't just take her. <laughs> that's not that's not how that's not how the world works. You know, Morgan Freeman's saying, you know, like in the future, she stays with Helene, she's just gonna be a doped up, horrible person just like her mom. Right. Even if and that's just if she makes it that long. Yeah. But uh Patrick's counter to that is if I let you keep her, then what happens 30 years from now 
well, maybe not 30 years now, but what happens when she's like 30 years old and she comes up to me and she says, you knew that I was told that I was kidnapped, that I was stolen from my family, but you didn't do anything about it. That to him would be the absolute worst. That's, that's the worst outcome for him at this moment. I feel like it's still justifiable though. Yeah. We're going to disagree. I know we're going to disagree. I, yet again, I side with Patrick on this one. Patrick, he makes his case, and he calls the police, and that's pretty much the end of him and Angie. And he goes back to Angie, and he he can't understand why why she doesn't agree with him, and she can't understand why he doesn't agree with her. So I'm Angie and you're Patrick? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Doyle. <laughs> so he, anyway, he, he does call the police. And I do admit, this is kind of a heartbreaking scene. The police show up and uh, Amanda, they're taking Amanda from, from Doyle's wife. Doyle's in the backseat of the police car. His wife is like really, really holding on to Amanda. I don't know how long they've had her at this point. I'd say probably safe to say three months at least. Yeah. You know, so she's probably gotten to the point where she is kind of a, a member of their family. They certainly treat her like she's a member of their family. Right. And she's, you know, whether she's missing Lionel or B or her mom or anybody else, she is, she's, she's living a pretty comfortable life. And she's kind of holding on. Doyle's wife is holding on, but the police are pulling her away, and it is kind of a heartbreaking scene, even if it is the right thing to do. But it's not necessarily. But it is. Why though? Why? Like, but because. But think about think back to the beginning of the movie. How much her mom didn't even really care about her. It seemed like okay, because Patrick just explained. You think she's a bad mom. Then you call Child Protective Services. You don't just... Then you're basically you doing don't, the same thing. You don't thing. just steal her. You're basically doing... You're no. taking her away from her mother. Yeah, but you're doing it legally. You're doing it the right way. I mean, I guess I'm, I, my, I'm, not, too, I, I'm not too worried about the legal <laughs> and illegal part of it. I'm thinking more of just the way she's going to grow up because... If she sticks with her mom the way her mom is, I wouldn't see her living that long. I'd see her going missing again, uh, or worse, you know. And with Doyle, I mean, you see how attached she was. And it may be where she grows up and she sees Patrick and it's like, you knew. But I'm living my best life right now, so thank you. Maybe. <clears throat> maybe or maybe she shows up and she's like you bastard you knew you knew you, you knew and i you knew and i miss my uncle lionel and now he's in jail well i mean that's his fault <laughs> <laughs> you took me from my crackhead mother <sighs> i'm so devastated that i didn't get to grow up with that <sighs> I didn't get to grow up with an uncle that basically tried to get money out of <laughs> someone kidnapping me. Oh, fair enough on that point. Fair enough on that I mean, point, I guess. That's just that's that's where I side with Doyle <laughs> and Angie. I mean, 
if she's if she's happy and she's gonna remain happy as I think she would, then just leave her be. Ah, <laughs> no, 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 no! You gotta do it the right way. You gotta do it the right way. You can't just run around stealing babies because you think that that they'll be better off with right, you. Right, but the police were in on it, so. That doesn't make it right. Uh, it doesn't make it right, but <laughs> it wouldn't make a difference if, I mean, CPS was called and who says who who's to say they wouldn't have fixed that either? It's corrupt, is what it is. It, yeah, yeah. I can agree with you on that. Yeah, it's it's wrong, <laughs> but the bigger picture. No, I'm just not. I'm not digging it. I'm not digging it. Don't go stealing babies just because you think you're better. <sighs> that's that's my thought. I honest to God, I this is why this is why this, the ending sticks with. This is part of the reason why the ending is stuck with me for so long, is because I just think about it and I'm like, I think I would do what Patrick does. I think I would call the police, but would I? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would. I'm pretty sure I would. I agree with Patrick on this one. You just got to do it the right way. But her mom was a whole I'm human not, being. I'm not saying don't get her out of the house. That's, it's just as it's just the same as going back to justifying killing someone. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't agree with him there either. Right. But I'm saying it's the same <laughs> thing. Like, I mean, if it rids one more person that's <laughs> doing these things, why not? If it's saving this girl from a potential worse life. Then I mean the hell that she's already been through. Then just leave her be. Let okay. her grow up. Okay. So get it this way. Okay. There was a, a a moment earlier on in the movie when uh Helene is is worried about whether or not uh, Amanda is being fed. Mm-hmm. She says something like the last thing she said to me was I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And she's worried that she's not being fed and she's not being taken care of. And and at that moment you realize she does actually care. But and then and then she says a little bit later she says, you know, I'll give up all the, I'll give up everything. I'll give up all the all the drugs, all the booze. I'll turn my life around just so long as I get my daughter back. If if Patrick honest to god believes that that she is going to turn her life around much like her brother did. Mhm. Then, are you doing Amanda any favors by not by not giving her that chance? But that with that, think of okay, the last thing she told her was that she was hungry. How shitty is that though? <laughs> because it was it's almost as if her mom didn't even care. She was probably all twacked out. Her daughter was starving. I don't agree with you on that one. I don't. There has been there's been times where, like my daughter, she eats supper, she gets dessert, well, but you don't then, do crack, and then <laughs> and then and then she goes. Then like later on, she's like, "Oh, I'm hungry," and I'm like, "Well, you know, you're about to go to bed, so you can't really eat anything right now, right?" But so you go to bed hungry. Who's to say that the situation is that Helene just had just had this. This brief moment where she was like, ah, oh, you're about to go to bed. You can't eat a sleep of Oreos. Or that she hasn't eaten in a long time. Because her mom's out doing rails and banging, <laughs> banging her, her boyfriend. boyfriend. 
No, 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 no. I think, I think, I think you have reason to believe that she's going to turn her life around. She's got, uh, she has a support system. Lionel has proved that you can go from, from, from bad to great. If if he can do it, certainly she can do it. But he still tried to get money out of the whole thing. <laughs> There's no good to be had there. He used his niece to try and get money. He used his niece to try to teach his 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 sister a lesson and get money. Oh, that's so, so much better. So he was He's such a great person. He's a saint. <laughs> I'm not saying he's great. I'm just saying if you can justify what Morgan Freeman does, then certainly you can justify what Lionel does. He put he Lionel put this girl's life in danger. Morgan Freeman put this girl's life in danger. That is true too. <laughs> but she ended up in a better place. I just uh yeah, we'll disagree for days on this one. Anyways, he calls the police, which is what I would do, because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> you know me and my sad endings. <laughs> I love the way the movie ends after this, but and, and that is like truly the most haunting portion of the, mo- of the ending that really sticks with me, but I would be fine if this movie ends with him going back to the car and Angie saying... What are you going to do? And then just cut to credits. And you just don't know. You just don't know what he's going to do. He might do that. piss me off. He might, call the, he might call the police. He might not call the police. The movie ends exactly however you want it to end. Yeah, that would just piss no. me off. Ah, so I could great. see him just getting in the car and leaving. No, no, no. Because then, I mean, that's perfect. No, no. Mm. But anyways, that is not how the movie ends. It goes on. <laughs> and it will make you sad. But I love sad endings. We It's been well documented and well established. I love <laughs> sad endings. And this one is sad. Um, Amanda is taken back to her mom. You get this nice, happy, tearful reunion. Uh, probably the happiest moment in the entire movie. That were like the happy moment in this entire movie, yeah. Uh, and they're reunited, and it does like a little bit of a time jump, like maybe two, three weeks, not super far, I don't think. Patrick goes to check on Amanda, see how everything's going, and Helene has fallen back into her. Horrible, horrible ways. There you go. But you didn't know that that was gonna happen. But it proves but my it point. it might not have happened that way. It might but not have happened. But it did, and that proves my point. It doesn't prove any point because it. First, first he didn't know that it was going to happen that way. First time around, I'll agree that you didn't know it was going to happen. But now that you know, <laughs> it just pisses me off more if I watch it a second time because I'm like, should have just left her with Morgan Freeman. Uh, and I know you know that deep down. No, no, no. I know you feel that way. No. No, because I still love the sad ending. Anyways, Helene's Helene's getting ready to go out for the night, and uh, she's like, she's like getting all like, 
She's like getting all I don't I her version of being dressed up, <laughs> which is just kind of being a, a a slut. But uh, she's going she's gonna go out, and Patrick asks her, you know, about B and and Lionel, and you get like a a little recap of what happened to all the characters since Amanda's been returned. Lionel's in jail. B has moved away. He 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 says where Angie went, but I don't remember where it is. But she's left him, so Angie's no longer in the picture. And he he asks, he asks how she's doing, and she's doing good. He asks how Amanda's doing, she's doing good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as as far as Helene goes or thinks, Amanda's doing good, right? To her standards, she's perfectly fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> He asks her uh, who's going to watch Amanda tonight while you're going out and, and partying and drinking. She mentioned, she gives a name. I'm assuming it's her neighbor. I'm assuming it's the best friend from yeah. earlier, I think. Patrick says, no, nah, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll watch her for you. So he agrees to that. And he sits down on the couch next to Amanda while, while Helene goes out. And they just sit there. And he he like asks her what her doll's name is or something, and it just ends right there with with her stuck in a shitty place, <laughs> and Patrick kind of stuck to take care of her, and that is oh, such a ah, that just sticks with you. It just sticks with you, but. I wouldn't have the ending any other way. I still, third time around, fourth time around, fifth time around, I'm still not changing my mind on the ending. Uh, because, because Patrick didn't know. He was just, you know, they stole from his community. What happens to I one? I didn't know it was like revolved around Patrick. Happens to all. I wish Minden was like that. <laughs> What happens to one happens to all. If if you let if you let Morgan Freeman steal Helene's baby, you might as well let Morgan Freeman steal everyone's baby. They'd live a good life. Maybe. Good bedtime stories. Possibly. I don't know. You never actually saw Morgan Freeman as a father. You saw him promise a sandwich that he never made. Because the cops showed up before he could, but still. <laughs> Anyways, that's the end of the movie. Mac and I disagree on the ending. I loved the ending. That's that is a perfect ten ending right there. For for a, for a perfect eight movie. Yes. <sighs> All right. Perfect seven ending. Perfect seven movie. <laughs> okay. Any. Oh, good Lord. We have been recording this for so long. Uh, anything else to say? I think we said it. I think we have said it as well. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this for this episode. As always, you can go ahead and follow us on all the social media. That's right. All the social media. Instagram. We are two guys in a movie. On Twitter, we are two in a movie. Ah, there we go. And and we have the email. We have the email. 
not just any email. We have the email. And that is two guys and a movie at outlook.com. And as always, it's T W O. Don't use the number two because you're not going to get to the right place. And who knows what you get when you're looking for number two. Also, if you're using Anchor, you can leave us a voice message. You have to download the app, it's free. It's super easy to make a account, find our channel, leave a voice message. If you leave us one, we'll play it on another episode. Let us know if you agree with Mac on the ending of Gone Baby Gone. Let us know if you agree with me. Mostly let us know if you agree with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, your thoughts on on wrestling. Is there any reality to it? Yes or no? I say a little bit. Max says absolutely zero. And, uh, yeah, so we're done talking for now. Come back next time when we will be talking about the autopsy of Jane Doe. Don't-